you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, apologies. We were off to a little bit of a late start today. Technical difficulties. It's but... all Rod's fault. No, it's, it's, it's just that technology, man. This stuff works when it works, and then it, it could be a major headache when it doesn't work. But we're here. We're back. Uh, NFL draft. Lots of stuff to talk about. You know the first thing I want to ask you about? So 49ers media made a really big deal about the fact that Trey Lance was fully ready for the OTAs. And this is just a couple of days after a lot of talk about him possibly being available for trades during this draft. A lot of eyes were on Houston's number two pick. And when they went CJ Stroud, then people are like, okay, well maybe they're not interested in Trey. So first off, first question is what did you, what did you think about all the trade Trey talk in the, you know, on the first night of the draft? And then secondly, now they're sort of going backwards or not going backwards, but they're, they're kind of going like, okay, now, now he's here. We're going to, you know, we're, we're going to write the story that he's fully ready for OTAs. Where is that coming from? Is that coming from the 49ers standpoint and being like, he's still our guy, even though there were there's those rumors, he's still our guy. We want to focus on this guy. What did you take of all of that Trey Lance talk over the last couple of days? I don't know it I, anymore. I just think that a lot of this stuff is either bots or media or, you know, it's like they're just trying to generate clicks because, you know, it was, um, you know, if you, if we go all the way back to the beginning of the off season, first it was Brady. Oh, Brady's coming here. Oh, I don't care that he's retired. He's, he's going to be a 49er. Then once that obviously was not the thing, um, and then, like for a la- the last couple of weeks, once that trade didn't happen with um with the Jets and Green Bay, oh, Aaron Rodgers is still in play with the 49ers. Then you know, once that's off the table, um, is well, Lamar. They did their due diligence on Lamar. You know, so it just it just seems like. And then once that was checked off, you know, it was like trade. And yeah, you know, I. I I don't think that the Niners, well, I guess let's first back up and say, I've said all along that if the Niners just wanted out of the Trey Lance business, they I don't think they would have any problems finding a suitor. I mean, and if they were so adamant that they didn't want him, man, they could attach, you know, like the NBA does, they could attach picks they could pay some of his salary if they just mm-hmm. wanted him gone. I don't think they'd have a problem getting rid of him. Secondly, I don't think I believe that there are teams that um 
would have interest. Tennessee made some sense. Um, Minnesota didn't seem ridiculous. Um, so I, I just I don't believe that the 49ers at this point are ready to just wash their hands of him. I, I just I think that's more of a media and fan creation than um the than a reality in the building because like I say if they wanted to get rid of him I don't think that they'd have a hard time finding somebody to just take him off his off their hands. Okay, so, off their hands. but but obviously the 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 smoke has to come from somewhere. Now some of this might be media going like okay. Well, why did they grab Darnold? There's a reason why they grabbed Darnold. Uh, but some of this also has to be... Uh, we know the 49ers are... They are not a scared team, right? They they don't deal with, oh my gosh, if we traded Trey Lance, what would that say to the fan? Like, they're going to make the best deals for the team. So... Mm-hmm. In that sense, I kind of wonder, you know, what would it have taken for them? Because Trey Lance, trading Trey Lance for the sake of trading Trey Lance is, is not a good idea, especially with the amount of picks that it took to trade up and get him. You still well, you would be... definitely at, at this point you'd be selling low. I mean, yes. there's there's no way that you would be able to to command any anything near um, you know a value in return for what you, you would have to, again, like I say, to trade him at this point, um, his, his value is at its low. So yeah. you'd, you'd have to be, you know, you'd have to basically give him away at this point. And it, it just seems to me from their standpoint, it would make more sense to just give him an opportunity to see what he is. And in that sense, um, maybe if you do, if you do just want to, get to a point where you can, you know, pump up his value just to, to, you know, sell somewhat higher. That would make sense from there to, to get, just get rid of him now at the bottom of his market from their standpoint, just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But I, I, I I can understand if he's available, if they're dangling him and going like, yeah, you know, everybody's for sale for the right price. We're not going to give him up for a third rounder. That's just not the, the business that we're in. Oh, you know, late first, early second. Hmm. You know, we could be interested in that. And if that was the case, I'm fully behind it. Not because I don't think Trey's going to be good. Only because this would be the time to do that. And he is coming off of a, uh, a knee injury in his rookie year, ankle injury in his second year. He has not even, you know, taken uh, 200 snaps and already has two. And so in some, in some sense, you can say, yeah, you know, we, we saw, we have Brock, we have Sam. If we get knocked off of our feet, he, he could be possibly available. I just don't think that that stuff was there. And what I also thought was really interesting, and we'll move off of this trade thing. I, I just wanted to open with it because I know that, you know, it was kind of the last thing that came out today. Um, the fact that, and, and Shelvin, thanks to Shelvin for hanging out with us. We got a late start and Shelvin is still here. (laughs) Shelvin's our dude, man. Shelvin said that Ian Rappaport mentioned that Trey was the third stringer. And I, you know, 
all that we've heard was that Trey was going to be the guy leading the OTA. So where does this third stringer stuff come from? You think? I, yeah, I don't know. Um, Rappaport, I don't know. He, a lot, I just, a lot of these dudes I have, um, I wonder if there needs to be a website that like fact checks and like <laughs> gives them ratings for how, cause I mean, you can just have just hot takes and then how many of these, you know, his sources say how many yeah. of these things actually end up being like true. And um, if there's no, if there's no accountability, then why would they be, you know, why would they even try to attempt to, you know, any kind of, to have any kind of journalist in, integ- integrity if you can just say stuff and then, you know, you, you're not held accountable for any of it. So I don't know. I, I, I don't, maybe he's got a source and somebody's in there um, leaking that stuff. But again, from the 49ers standpoint, I don't see the upside of doing that. I mean, because it's like two separate things, two separate narratives are, um, being generated it's like they seem like you know some people will say it seems like they're off of him but then you know both shanahan and lynch continue to say he's a smart kid he's a good kid he works hard there's nothing they don't say they don't have they don't seem to have anything negative to say about him but then at the same time you hear these reports from like Rappaport and Florio that they're like out on Trey Lance. So then why? And so there's there's a, there's a piece missing. Yeah, it, it was all of those things, and you traded all that stuff to get him, and nothing's changed between the time. And Lynch has said this repeatedly. There's nothing changed since the time they drafted him to now. Then. What am I? There, there seems to be a piece missing. So they did not draft a quarterback, which that doesn't mean that they're not going to bring a fourth guy in. I think Shanahan mentioned that he wants to bring a fourth guy in. That that quarterback will, uh, you know, go through the training camp and the preseason, and then they'll cut that quarterback and try and sign him to the practice squad. That's kind of how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I listened to Tim Cowcom and Matt Barrows. And they were kind of talking about this, you know, about drafting a quarterback. And if there's a quarterback out there that kind of fits the Shanahan mold, what does that say about Trey? I just think we're going to hear this pretty much all season, no matter what he does. Now, if he does great in the preseason, if he does great in training camp, I don't know if that's good or bad for his position on the 49ers. (laughs) Like, that's the hard part. Because the better he plays, the better a trade piece he becomes. And the worse he plays, the fan base will get down on him. But then, like you said, you kind of have to sell a little bit lower on him if the idea is to move him. So this is going to be a giant story throughout the entire OTAs, through the training camp, through preseason, because of what they gave up to get him. And the quarterback, we, we talked about this on, uh, a, you know, a couple of months ago. 49ers quarterback is like the most media savvy position maybe in, in sports, right? Like to go from Joe Montana and Steve Young and uh, Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith, like there's so much focus on the QB 
position. And that doesn't change with the 49ers because Shanahan's searching for that guy, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, now Brock. You know, Brock comes out of nowhere. He's the last pick in the draft. So no matter what happens, this position, the focus, Brock, Trey, and then bringing in Sam Darnold, who's like a, a tools guy who just hasn't put it together. This is going to be the focus of everything. And I'm here for it, but I'm also a little guarded when it comes to Shanahan and Lynch and what they're saying. Always. Always. I mean, you know, I've said this before, but um, it's one of those things where transparency doesn't really serve them. It doesn't serve them to to tell us exactly what they're thinking. Um, to to what end? Yeah. Um. So, but in I guess my frustration with the fan base is how they will take. You know, it's like what you know if they whatever they want the answer to be is what they want to take it to be. And if it's, if they're not saying what they want to hear, um, then, you know, they, it's easily dismissed. But then if it's something that jives with what it is, is their belief, then, well, it's the, it's the gospel truth, obviously. (laughs) So, um, you know, like, you know, people say, ah, he's just saying, when Lynch says we still are in on Trey, uh, he's just saying that. What else would he say? But then he said, you know, but then he says Brock is the leader in the clubhouse. Well, then, well, obviously, that's the God, God's honest truth, right? So, I mean, <laughs> you know, but I I always take what they, they say with a grain of salt because yeah, yeah. it doesn't, there's no, there's, there, it, they, there's really no benefit for them to tell you, well, you know, Trey Sermon, we really, we're going to cut this guy. I mean, that, that just, why, why would you say that if you, you know, obviously you want to try to get something for him if you can. So it doesn't serve you to, to, to tell us or the media how it is. You really, well, that, you know, there's no way in hell that um, he's going to beat out um, JP or um, TDP. So he's basically done. Um, that saying that doesn't, you know, even if that's the truth in the building, it doesn't serve them to say that. And it's also why that you'll never see the Niners on uh, Hard Knocks. <laughs> that was, I, I, I can't. Uh, you know, there was uh, there was a time when it was it, they were saying that um, it was, you know, the owners were like voting on making that, you know, like mandatory, making you know, making it that everybody has to appear. At, in some form or another, and that would have been interesting to see how Jed would vote on that because I cannot imagine Kyle signing off on that. He just seems he would be the most vanilla person in the history of that show, <laughs> not that showing just, any cards. That just doesn't seem like his steez at all, you know. Yeah. And it, I saw that, you know, um, I went to those practices last year for the first time, and they had like I mean, the security was so tight about, okay, you can, you can film warmups and whatnot, but if, you know, once team install starts, if we see a camera, you're getting thrown out. And I saw them throw like two or three people out. (laughs) Kyle doesn't want any of that stuff on the internet. Um, So I just, 
I can't imagine him allowing film crews yeah. <laughs> in to capture every the, all of the goings on of his um his operation. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So, moving on, uh, Brandon Ayuk, the Niners picked up his fifth-year option. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, the Niners did not pick up his fifth-year option. So, we we talked about this the last time. That Pretty predictable understandable no surprises there uh the they did not uh, uh did the Niners draft a, a, a defensive tackle in this in in this draft here no they did I don't think they did right Mm-mm. so you know Kinlaw is go, you know he's basically either playing for the Niners to go okay you know we'd love to bring you back or he's playing for another team but it seems like they are I I guess you would say confident in the depth or maybe they just didn't see anything that they liked out there they picked we 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 got a defensive tackle in the in the offseason so what did you think about a not doing the fifth year on Kinlaw and then them also not bringing in another defensive tackle well again the thing that I talked about a lot online today with people is I, I honest, I'm just going to be honest. I don't watch enough college football to be able to know that on the, you know, the, you know, the third day of the draft, who the, you know, at pick 101, who is the best player on the board. So what I don't know, you know, people kept talking about, how they didn't take offensive tackle, you know, it just seems to me at that point in the draft, you're taking best player available. It seems silly to me to take a position of need. If the, if you don't believe that though there's anybody that has the traits um, to be a good player, you know? So what that says to me is they just didn't see anybody. Cause they, to me, it did, it just makes sense that, um, you know, defensive tackle is a position that, as I said before, 
that they routinely keep eight or nine players. And it would seem to me that if they had a choice between drafting and developing somebody and having that person on a fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh round contract for four years rather than playing the veteran minimum game year after year, it would it would seem to me, especially to um seeing as how we that seems to be a strength of ours is developing players, um, particularly on the defensive line, that if they found players that they thought had the traits to develop into something, that at that point it's a you know, it's a it's a safe bet to go ahead and take them there because then you got four years of them at, you know, very little money. So what that says to me is that if they didn't draft anybody, it was because they didn't see anybody there yeah. that um they felt worthy um of taking. Or the other thing is that they didn't see um they didn't see if when you looked at draftable players and guys that they thought down the line would be undrafted free agents, they didn't see much value or difference in the value of those players. So, you know, if you figure that either this guy that I could draft here, I can, there'll be four other guys of equal value, you know, on the, you know, on the, on the um, undrafted free agent list, we might as well go that direction because those guys are even, you know, while draft picks are cheaper, those guys will end up being even cheaper. So, you know, it's a, it would seem to me like it's a value play, but again, I am speaking out of ignorance because like I said, there's no way that at pick one Oh one or pick two Oh one, I could say, Oh, well, that guy, yeah, he's got a chance to be a player. I don't know those. <laughs> I don't know those dudes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you just got to kind of trust that. Um, I, um, as we were going through the draft, I, I discovered this um, site through um, Nathan Tice, who, if you guys aren't following that dude on Twitter, or he's an athletic writer, his draft stuff was is great. He's he's Mike Tice's son. Oh no and, way! And um, yeah, he like he he knows his stuff. And um, so he had mentioned this um, site called Mock Draftable, and you can type in the player's name, and it gives you their measurables. Um, and then it gives them to you as a as a percentile of where they rank in their position. And then also um, it shows players from the past who um, who um, whose traits they match. And I, mm. I've been looking at that all draft and it's it's real interesting how um, how some of these guys that we took as we go along, I kind of share some of it. OK, how yeah. um they stack up against guys who have been successful in the league. Um, and in, and in one case particular, how they kind of match up with a guy that's already on the roster. Um, and I've been going back and forth online with people all day about this draft <laughs> stuff. It's just, it, it is, it's infinitely fascinating to me. And I know that the measurables are, they're just, that's just one part of the equation, but it's, an important part. Yeah. And then the other piece of news is that the 49ers, uh, they finagled with uh, Christian McCaffrey's contract and freed up some money uh, to, you know, the, the cap. There, there's cap finagling, Parag in his bag, doing his thing. Well, they're shaking everybody's pockets out to try to figure out how they're going to pay Nick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, okay, before we get to the draft, uh, I just want to mention Sunday, the death lineup will be back post Warriors Kings. It's either going to be Hallelujah, how did we get past this series? Or, oh my gosh, is it the end? Why are we even playing on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian and I will be back. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. He, he hasn't got back to me as far as if it's going to be after the game or if he needs some time to do it sometime in the evening. But yeah, big game for the Warriors. You see, I'm I, the for for video folks. I'm decked out in, in Warrior stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to set some good juju for uh, Sunday. But you know, we talked about it the last time you were on. Uh, I'm like, I'm sort of negative about it because I, I see tired legs, and it's really like, how do you rejuvenate tired legs? And the Kings have these fresh legs. And then there's this clip of Jordan Poole uh, on Twitter. I don't know if this was the end of the game or something, but he's walking towards Draymond and he's looks very upset. And Draymond kind of tries to like pat him on the back a little bit or something or dap him up or, and he pushes Draymond's hands away. I was like, Oh my gosh, there, there's something here. The Jordan Poole might, uh, might not be playing a lot of minutes on Sunday. We'll see. I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe it's all nothing. Maybe it's just uh, a, you know, a, a video of nothingness. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm slightly negative on the game just because I kind of you know you kind of feel like you know the team, and you know when the legs are there and when the legs aren't. However, this season getting two on on the ro- two in a row on the road just kind of, you know, I I am the, I am a warrior apologist and optimist. <laughs> But um, I I could not believe number one I could not believe what I was watching last night, <laughs> and um it just it just it just seemed like I can't remember the last time in the playoffs they just like laid an egg like that. Um, not not often. And yeah. there's been games where like they got blown out by Boston, they got blown out by the Cavs, but that was mm-hmm. not like the game where they could put it away. It was, you know, a game in the series, but so, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. That's why I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, we, we just haven't seen it, and I, I don't know, but you know, Steph can, and and this, you know, and the fact is, I mean, the reality that most of us don't want to face is, I mean, this can't last forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so Brian and I will be back on Sunday. Uh, the audio will be up Monday morning. Uh, and then uh, Brad and I will be back with Thompson and Clark on Monday. The Giants are playing in Mexico City right now, and it's like arena baseball. These balls just flying out of the park. <laughs> the short they're they're playing at like a a park that's only about tw- uh, maybe twenty two thousand or so. Mm-hmm. So it's like a small park, and the porch is really short. And these guys are hitting and the ball you're at up altitude. And they, altitude. And and this ball's just flying out. I think they lo- the Giants lost 16 to 11. <laughs> but there were like there were like four or five uh, lead changes and I was like, okay, we we feel okay and then Padres would come up and just hit three home runs. I was like, okay, like how just, can- why don't we just like break out the aluminum bats? That, that's what it was like. <laughs> it was like college baseball. <laughs> exactly. Uh so yeah, so those shows will be up um and uh, yeah, let's talk about Let's talk about the draft here. 
Now, this wasn't the most exciting, sexy draft. The Niners didn't even have a pick in the first two rounds. So you're going on Friday, the back end of Friday, and they made a trade to kick off uh, their first pick. So they traded, um, they traded their third and a fifth and a seventh to trade up for now you're gonna have to help me with his name jai Ayer brown is that correct i would go yeah that's that sounds about right to me jai Ayer brown who is a safety and i know a lot of people were saying tackle tackle you know there's tackles there they need to get a tackle but they trade up to bring in a safety who would seem to be a tashawn gibson replacement for 2024 Though, though, if I'm Tashawn Gibson, I'm like, I know I just re-signed. And you're drafting my backup. There's been crazier things that have happened. But what do you think about Brown uh, from Penn State, the, the pick, to trade up and possibly pair him with Hufunga down the line? Yeah, the thing about a, a lot of these picks, and again, I, I am going to preface this by saying that I understand that traits are – just one part of the equation, right? Um, but the per- the per- the example that I used um, that I, that I hit on today, there were two. Was Jason Poe last year? Um, I don't actually. I don't think he was a draft pick. He was a, a, a free agent. undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. But you know, the thing was that he had a lot of explosiveness. And a lot of technique for this, a center guard coming in from a small college. But what we saw with him in the preseason is that none of that mattered because just like on roller coasters, there's a heightened weight requirement for playing the interior line in the NFL. You know, you're just not going to be five foot ten and two hundred and something pounds. You just you're just not you know big enough. You know, yeah. dudes. You know, guys who aren't even who are you know on UPS trucks or selling insurance were just physically, you know, carrying him to ball carriers and throwing him out of way to get it. So, so while measurables, measurables don't tell the whole story, there is a certain level that, you know, when you see players that play like in the Sun Belt and they're, you know, good technique players, the question is, do they have the measurables to, to transfer that level of production to the NFL, you know, so there's just a ticket to admission. And the other one is like, okay, coach Singh notor was notoriously down on Patrick Willis's technique. You know, the guy can't play is what he said, you know, but he, you know, was able to everything he was able to accomplish at Ole Miss. He was basically able to do just based on, raw talent he was he could just run from sideline to sideline and he could do things physically he those things you the things he could do physically are things that you can't coach and the things that you can coach somebody like coach Singh or um coach chris here with defensive linemen they're some of the best football teachers in the world in the nfl so if you've got the talent most of the things they feel like if you've got traits, we can teach you how to play. Um, and then it's all about how hard you're going to work. So 
the traits matter because they're things that, you know, your vertical jump is not something they're going to be able to fix. Your arm length, if you got short arms, you got, if you are T-Rex, just not going to be able to fix that. Um, Short arms like Leprechaun, like Biggie said. If your eyes are bad or your hands are bad or your feet are bad, those are things that they can fix, you know, if you're willing to work on them, if you're if you're coachable, they can fix those things. So that is what I that's what is interesting to me is to 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 look at who they've drafted and that draft that um that mock draftable has been great in that is to be able to like plug in who they drafted this year and even in the past to kind of to kind of get a feel for the kind of guys that these guys are looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what's interesting to me is what kind of traits do they kind of seem to value and what are things that, you know, based on who they picked in the past, don't, you know, that they really don't put much stock in from a measurable standpoint. But his measurable, the thing is, I was saying for this guy, his measurables aren't great. Um, So, yeah, that's interesting. He's he's not, you know, he's, not fast, much like Hufunga is not fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's the that's the thing that that they mentioned. So, the most controversial pick, maybe of the the first mm-hmm. three rounds here. Uh, when when I when I started seeing the name Moody, I was like, wait, Moses Moody. Moses Moody is Mo- playing, Moses for the- playing for the Niners too. <laughs> wow, this guy. Well, he's talented. not playing for the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Moses Moody might have been the best player on the floor in uh, in the game six there. Uh, oh, so yeah. uh, the 49ers now we we were hearing before the draft started, Jake Moody's the best kicker in the draft. A mm-hmm. lot of folks thought mm, early fourth is where he probably fits. Niners had a late third. That's where they go and grab. Moody pick number 99, which was a compensatory pick. I, I mean, who I, I, I don't remember. Uh, you know, you can go back to Sebastian Janikowski getting picked in like the first round by the Raiders. I'm on it. I'm on it, Gigi. You know, I'm on it. In the past 25 years, there have been seven kickers taken in the top 100 picks. Janikowski in 2000. Mike Nugent, um, Aguayo, which was that horrible pick by Tampa Bay. He didn't even make it a season. Yeah. And then Nate Keating, Martin Grammatica, Bill Grammatica. Automatica then, Grammatica? Oh, man. And then Jake Moody. Fun fact, a name, a blast from the past, because I completely forgot about this. One pick below. Those are the those are the seven who have been taken in the past twenty five years in the top one hundred. One, the next player down eight one oh two, Jeff Chandler. How about that? Wow! From two thousand two to two thousand four, San there Francisco Forty Niners. That's a great yeah. name. Okay, so but here, I'm going to give you another great name, and this just shows my 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 longevity as a Niners fan. So. When I'm in high school, I'm watching a lot more college sports than I'm watching today. Like, I don't watch any college sports today, really. Like, not even the, you know, I, I was so disappointed in myself because I didn't really get to watch the, uh, the NCAA basketball tournament because I was traveling. Mm-hmm. So, watching a lot of Cal. Cal's got Mike Pulowski and Russell mm-hmm. White running the football. And they got this kicker. 
by the name of Doug Bryan. Mm-hmm. The Niners draft him in the third round in 1994. And I believe he's the kicker. Is he the kicker for the Super Bowl championship team? I think so. I think so. So he was pick 85. So that, the, that you know, I, I go back to 1994. Oh, okay. Cause it, okay. So that was outside of my, um, that was outside of my, yeah. You didn't go back that, window, that far. Yeah. That's going 90, back way 98 back. was my cutoff. So yeah, I was like, okay, how did I, how did stat here miss Doug Bryan? But it's because that's out, he's outside of my, yeah. You gotta, you, you gotta do the search that says, Go back when Hootie and the Blowfish was popular. That's that's how far Fun you got to go back. Fact, Doug Bryant, he was. I, I saw him racing NASCAR trucks. What? Mm-hmm. This that was. Well, that was when I was living in Vegas. That was years ago. Um, at the track there, he was he was a NASCAR truck driver. Yeah. His career, he was only in the Niners for two years and the Saints for five years. Spanned to 2005, so I I would I could have never told you how many years he played. I just remember he played for the Niners for a couple of years. But yeah, he was the uh, he he holds the record for the most point after touchdowns in a single postseason, 1994. That just means the Niners scored a lot of points in right. that postseason. <laughs> All right, so what did you th- you know this what this means for us? You know, we've been riding the Robbie train for a long time. We had a lot of faith in Robbie. You know, Robbie's not kicking long field goals. He's not kicking the ball in the end zone on the kickoffs. He's talking about how much he dislikes the Bay Area, but we're still riding for Robbie because he was so consistent. He was so gutsy. He's a big kick maker. But this is the sign that says uh, they pro- they believe that Robbie's gone because you don't spend a third-round pick on a kicker unless he's on the team. Yeah. And as I said, when you look at these guys, I mean, obviously, well, Sebastian Janikowski, that's just ridiculous. He was a good player, but this, you know, at number 17, you are, you know, I, I was, as I was going back and forth with play with people today, I mean, okay. If you just take it like, replacement level player for replacement level player. If you can get a replacement level kicker or uh, just an an average kicker or an average position player, obviously you take the position player. So then what what ends up happening is where does it go that at what point does the kicker become more valuable than a player who's going to play three downs. So that that's an inter- that that's that's an inter- that's the kind of thing that it fascinates me. Well, but, you got um, gotta believe that he's kicking the ball out of the end zone, right? Yeah, like oh that, yeah. He's definitely that, got a power leg. That's that's sure. that's almost just you know, not not quite as important as making field goals, but it is of importance because of how field position works in the NFL today. So he's gotta be that's able important. to do that. Yeah. But the thing is, but but to your point in the other direction is that the other things that Robbie brought, they value those, you know, being clutch and low and whatnot. They value that over, you know, a power leg. And, and I think rightfully so that if, if you, obviously you would want them all. If you had a choice, you'd want Justin Tucker. Yeah, exactly. Um, but 
if you had to choose and you could only have one, I'd much rather have a guy who was going to, that I could count on to like make Robbie, clutch yeah. click. And, you know, then we'll, we'll deal with the field position thing. We can, you know, do whatever we got to do um, for that. But like we discussed this last season, I found that it was interesting that taking, you know, cause Mitch was able to kick it, you know, get it in the end zone, but it seemed like his punting improved when they took that off his yeah. plate. Yeah. For some reason, I don't, and I don't know exactly what that is, but you know, it, it it's a fact that um, I thought that he was just about done here as the punter, <laughs> and then they made that change, and then you know he was collecting special teams player of the week awards yeah. again, you know. So that's interesting, but that's one thing that you're definitely going to get from Moody. I've watched enough Michigan football because I'm I'm kind of a, a harp stand. Um, so I watch, you know, Michigan just about every week. And that's one thing that you can count on is he's going to get it to the end zone. The question is, you know, you know, college kicking is different than NFL kicking. And so it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be, we're going to all learn together whether or not he's, you know, how good a professional kicker he's going to be. But mm-hmm. like, like Shelvin says, he definitely, at, you know, when you look at, Dra- mock draftable he his um measurables are off the chart you know as you know placed against the kickers um especially in his draft class and they he measures up favorably with some some of the best you know some you know some kickers who have had success in the league before so just from that one standpoint and in his college production all of those things are arrows up it's just you know, that's, that's high for a kicker. Yeah. But I mean, but if, if, if you targeted him and you felt that he was the best player on the board um, at that time, then you go ahead and do it. And maybe that just says everything you need to know about the depth in this year's draft class is that, you know, they got to 99 and we're like, nah, we don't really <laughs> see anybody that we would, you know, because, you know, if they're, I'm I'm, I promise no matter how much you like the kicker, if there is a, a defensive end or a defensive tackle sitting there that you think you can make into a player, I would think you got to take the, the, the dude that's going to give you, even if he never starts, which we're going to get to that. I did some, some, some with our, um, with our under after free agents, we'll get to that at the end, but I did some, I did some quick research on that. But if, if you got a guy that you think is going to play, even if he, even if he doesn't develop into a starter, um, your rotation players end up playing a whole lot of snaps. Um, So it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting, but you know, obviously I'm rooting for him. I hope it works out. Um, hope it works good, you know, works out good for us. Um, because I was not confident in Zane Gonzalez. So yeah, exactly. Do uh, you think Jed was like, uh, "Hey Jim, you know, we've had some hard times, you know, <laughs> last few years. Brought you back last year to kind of hang out with us. You know, give us the real deal on uh, on this uh, Moody kid because we're interested." <laughs> uh, and you know, I, I could imagine. You know, if that call did happen, Jim probably uh, did the whatever the audio version of 
throwing somebody into the locker. That, that, that's probably what was his comment. You're not man enough for me to tell you about <laughs> what kind of kicker he is. Uh, you know, I, I do like the fact that he came out of Michigan, though. That that that, that I don't know. It, it, like, I was not happy that they went kicker one because it tells me that Robbie's gone. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing was like, oh gosh, there wasn't another player. But the part of my brain that was like, eh, maybe it's not that bad is like, ah, he played for Jim. So he, he's probably a pretty tough guy. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's a tough guy. Um, and then, you know, kicking in that cold weather, you know, it, it's going to be a, um, you know, it's going to be a walk in the park kicking here. I guess we really don't, I, you know, I remember back, you know, the days of candlestick where kicking here was, you know, it was kind of an art to kick in here. Um, but it's really not the same in Santa Clara. So just a couple of stats for Moody shrine bowl, MVP four for four on field goals, including two for 50 plus he was 52 for 60 on field goal attempts over his final two seasons at Michigan long of 59. And he finished his college career 148 for 148 on extra points. So a l- little bit of uh, info there. So uh, they had a pick two picks later, compensatory pick. They drafted a tight end out of Alabama. Cameron, is it Latou or Lato? Um, Latou. Latou. So um, the, I- I'm reading Dane Brugler's analysis from the athletic and he writes that he's not an overwhelming athlete, but with Kittle on the roster, he won't need to be. He's a steady pass catcher underneath and could add value there, but he can also be a U, an H-back, or move around in all the different San Francisco run looks. And, you know, they drafted another tight end later in, in the draft. I think we're going like seventh round they did. So they're obviously looking for an upgrade on uh folks who can maybe compliment george a little bit better and plus you know george has been a little injury prone over the years so you're looking for a guy who may be able to replicate a little bit of what george can do offensively Um, and uh, as i had mentioned last week you know both dwelly and warner are unrestricted after the year so you know at the very least you know if you know, if history um, repeats, we are more likely to replace them with guys who are already in the system than we are, you know, re-signing them to second contracts. So yes. I, it, clearly they are um, trying to get some guys into the pipeline to um, who could, who might possibly um, be able to slot in um you know, into to larger roles next year. So it'd be interesting to see if they end up making the roster or, or their practice players or why. You know, I, I think the draft picks have a more have a better chance of um of sticking than um than um than not, you know, than moving to, you know, being put on the practice squad. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. So they didn't have a pick in the fourth round. So we're talking day three now. So we go all the way to the fifth round. 155, which comes via the Dolphins. Daryl Luter Jr., cornerback out of South Alabama. 
Uh, Brugler says very long, athletic, um, man coverage with the skill set to work inside or outside. And then Matt Barros ha- uh, wrote that uh, he's pretty versatile and he's got really long arms and a strong tackler. Uh, could push uh, if you think if you think you're lonely now or uh, Ambry Thomas for a roster spot. Yeah, I mean. Those again, he's one of those those traits where his um, arms are really long, and that's just how, those are the type of things you just I mean you can't coach that, you know. So it'll be interesting. You start to get down there, and, and it's that's that's what you're drafting is you're drafting guys who have traits that you think you can work with, and you know that you think that you can help develop them into players, and then you know how hard they're going to work you know, how coachable they are. I guess you do your best, the best you can to try to find that out. And then you bring them in and see. So it'll be interesting. I mean, you can never have too many cornerbacks. So, yeah. All right. We'll go through these a little bit more quickly. At 173, Robert Beal Jr., who is more of a project than anything else, didn't really do much in college, but Four 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 uh four 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 speed and an eighty three inch wingspan. So someone that they think that they'd be that they could possibly be able to coach up. Uh, so he goes at one seventy three. That is their uh, last fifth round pick. In round six, they go D Winters from TCU linebacker, and it's another one where uh, great speed. Uh, Matt Barrows thinks he could make an immediate impact on special teams because he played special teams in college and he could compete at strong side linebacker. Uh, we and know- he was one that I was mentioning earlier that um, when you look at his measurables, he um, he lines up very um, like almost identical to um, Dre Greenlaw in terms of um, height, weight, speed, and whatnot. So that's that's an interesting comp um that he has the same he has a lot of lot in common with Drake Greenlaw and if you can if he if his mentality is the same you know you know I, I wouldn't mind having another Drake Greenlaw and uh as we uh, get further and we're now we're in the seventh round and this is where they grabbed another tight end Braden Willis from Oklahoma and this is more blocker, uh, not not the not not the big time receiving threat, though he did did score some touchdowns and also carried the ball a little bit, but more of a of a blocker, kind of more more uh, juice uh, replacement. If juice had to miss a game, that, according to Barrows, than an actual you know replacement for for Kittle. And then the last two picks of the draft for them. 253 Robbie Bell wide receiver also from Michigan. So they're going Harbaugh here for two of their picks. Um, you know, seventh round wide receiver. You're just kind of trying to find guys who, who might be able to be who, who's who are possibly good at like one thing, not super all, all around skill sets. And then Jalen Graham is the last pick of the draft. Um, not not the fastest guy. Uh, Barrow said he ran a four six four and then a four seven eight at his pro day. So you know, not unless something special happens with him, 
you know, whether it's on special teams or something, you know, probably not somebody who's going to make make the roster and the linebacker core. But anybody stand out in the in those last few picks there? Not really. Um, once you you get down there, there there was nobody there that really that really stood out. Um, yeah, I mean, so again, it was. And then going back and looking at previous drafts, there I really couldn't, and I really couldn't even draw a thread to kind of, like I say, I was trying to kind of figure out like what is it that they key on to um to to make these decisions, and I couldn't really, I couldn't really pinpoint anything in particular that I could say, ah, it looks like this is what they're the traits that they you know seem to value. So it's gonna it'll be interesting to see how many of them. How many of these guys stick? Uh, so you said that you had some thoughts on some undrafted stuff. Yes. Um, there was the um, a lot of the, you know, irrational exuberance that happens with these. <laughs> oh, they got the steal right now. Yeah, and exactly. blah, blah, blah. This guy, you know, and then, you know, just the friendly reminder, that, you know, remember how many of these guys are telling me last year that Leon O'Neill was going to be a pro bowler. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, though it's those guys are long shots unless, you know, so I did a quick study. Now I could not find anything on, uh, on for league wide on the percentage of undrafted free agents that hit. So, I'm just I just went back for the last five years for us. We signed 48 players. Of those 48 players, um seven of them made seven of them made made the roster, made the roster. Um only three of them started games. Um four of them started games, excuse me. Um Jamichael Hasty. Um um, Aziz Shair and Mo and Eman started the most. They both started. Um, Eman started thirty games here, and Al um started thirty one. Um, I had forgot that Flanagan Fowles has started three games, and then mm-hmm. I, and Hasty, I think I didn't put it down. It was I think it was two, and then I know he started a bunch of games for um for um Carolina last year so he's a legit player so it happens but you know 48 out of and then you got mason who played some last year but he Mm -hmm. didn't start kevin givens has played um a significant amount of snaps but he hadn't started any games and neither has and dwelly has played a lot but he didn't start any games he hasn't started any games so you know so it happens but um to expect that you know you're gonna get a big hit rate out of, you know, out of those guys. I mean, it's just, you're going to talk about the longest of long shots. So, you know, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for all of them. I, I hope they all make the roster. But um, the fact is, you know, they all have, uh, especially on a team as good as this, they all have a long road to hoe, you know, to, you know, even if they play well, to beat out some of these established veterans. Um on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, you really have to go above and beyond, um, you know, kind of like whatever. And again, I don't even know necessarily that I saw that in JP. I didn't, you know, I didn't 
he looked good, but I didn't necessarily, you know, I I I was still one who um had a lot of belief in um in Trey Sermon. Yeah. And I just thought it was kind of, you know, quick to pull. But hey, he looks like a player. So they they obviously saw more than I did. So again, that's an example of a guy you you can come in and take somebody's job, but you know, you're gonna have to take their job. I mean, I, you know, they're not gonna be just giving it to you um coming from up you know that place so it, it'd be interesting I'm, i think i'm gonna there's something that i find interesting and i might do a little bit more research to see how how our hit rate on undrafted free agents um stacks up versus the rest of the league so that's interesting to me that's the kind of stuff that interests me uh so before we get out of here just want to note a couple of dates here so OTA offseason workouts aren't for about another three weeks. So we're talking about May 22nd and 23rd. That goes through early June. And then the mandatory mini camp is June 13th to June 15th. So, you know, we're still uh, a little bit of ways away to be able to even hear about stuff and see stuff. But, you know, one of the things that you mentioned Nick Bosa's contract, that's going to be a big conversation in this offseason. We already mentioned the Trey stuff. And, you know, the 49ers have been to the NFC Championship game two seasons in a row. Shanahan and Lynch seem like uh, they're in, you know, that that they are very highly thought of across the league. But we've heard, you know, John Lynch even said, like, last year he thought about moving to Amazon. You know, more money. And an easier, way easier job than, mm-hmm. you know, than, than helping Shanahan run this team. So those are going to be some things I think that, that we'll hear about. And there's a high bar for this team. Like the, like a lot of these draft picks that they made, like you're kind of looking at it and going like, okay, who does that person replace? Because right. they're so stacked off, you know, roster wise. And so a lot of these, you know, you, you might see, you know, some of these third round or fifth round picks just be like, uh, we got to cut this guy and hope that they pass waivers first so we can put them on the practice squad. So that that's also going to be something that's going to be interesting, but you know, it's, it, it's April. It's going to be about to be may. Uh, and there's still tons of stuff about this team to talk about. So you and I will have a lot of stuff to talk about when we come back in two weeks. But the, before we get out of here, I wanted to point out your sweatshirt. Is that Sir? Is that Syracuse Orangeman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't such a coward, that should have been the college that I went to for broadcasting. Mm-hmm. That's the broadcasting school. And man, if I could go back and do it again, I love San Jose State's great, my hometown, but it's a commuter school. Like I just went went to school, came home, you know, mm-hmm. did my business. But I saw your sweatshirt, and I was like, man, that's uh, that would have been the school. I should have gone mm-hmm. to. So is is there any is there a, are you a fan of of the sports teams? Or did like what's the significance of the sweatshirt? I I had a my first my very very first college roommate was from upstate New York and um I went chasing girls 
<laughs> with him up there um, during my um, my freshman year. Um, so yeah, that was that was my Syracuse story. And then I've always, you know, that connection coupled with um, like you know the basketball team, and I, you know, I was a big Mellow fan, and you know just um, yeah, just just the, through the sports teams, and then the, my connection with um, my guy Mike Guido. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, just, you know, just a fan. Yeah. Syracuse had a, you mentioned mellow, you know, you could even go back someone who's near and dear to our hearts, Billy Owens. Oh, Billy. Billy oh. And, and uh, Derek Coleman, right. Derek Coleman, Ooh. who probably should have been one of the greatest power forwards of all time. Uh, but and yeah, Billy O was really a, um, he was ahead of his time as far as being a multi-positional type player. You know, he's a big dude, but could handle. And um, yeah, you know, that that was, you know, that was that was a a much more, you know, that's that's common, but it's almost a requirement now yeah. for your your wings to be able to um to handle. But back then that was somewhat of a novelty. And, you know, it was interesting to see like, you know, how Nelly um used him so yeah that was yeah he was that that's a name from the past <laughs> yeah he just couldn't shoot that could yeah. shoot from the outside that was his exactly. thing uh and, but uh yeah those are those are i i have fond memories of billy o but i also have like really dark memories of that time uh, as a warriors fan yeah that was those were dark <laughs> can, can think think about go back and think about those times with him and like Dunleavy and um you know those those teams and could you have ever imagined four championships it, no. it was it was it no way it just <laughs> I just didn't think one championship yeah that's why I, went, I was talking to Brian after they, the Warriors went down 2-0 I was like you know it's kind of one of those things where your basketball mortality is is like showing and I was like, you know what? If they lose to the Kings, they lose to the Kings. But like, this is like a great time to be a fan. And I just want to make sure that I'm not taking that part for granted. Like the fact that they're in the playoffs. Like you, know, I, when I was a kid, you know, late '80s, they're in the playoffs. Early '90s, Timmy, and it, it comes through, and they're in the playoffs. But then from like '94, '93 through. What was it 2008 or whatever 2007 it was just like yeah, i think wasn't 2007 we believe yeah we believe but um yeah it was a it, there were some dark dark <laughs> times in there you know i was watching the postmortem um on the news last night and there's this little kid and you know he's like you know, he couldn't have been no more than 10 years old and he's like the warriors suck tonight and i was like you know, hey kid, <laughs> look, you have no idea what sucking is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had teams that were that were a stretch to win double digit games. I mean, it was it was it, you know I I I've seen some these I these old eyes have seen some stuff. You know, that was that was you know that was bad last night, but 
um, anybody who's been around knows it, it, it could it, it could be a whole lot worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's better for this podcast when they win, though. So, or, oh yeah, this for network. sure. So I, I'm rooting. I'm I'm hoping Brian and I will be back. I just talked to him. I think we're going to be back later in the evening. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell one story, and then we'll get out of here. So the Oakland Arena is being worked on. This is, I think this is 95, but I may have, it may be 96. They have to play at the San Jose Arena for the year. Mm-hmm. So preseason, they're practicing at Evergreen College, which is a community college in San Jose, uh, pretty close to my house that I, that I grew up at. And so me and my buddy, we hear that they're practicing there. And so we just go to Evergreen, like we would go to Evergreen every once in a while to go, you know, shoot hoop or play tennis or whatever. So very close to where we lived and like, oh, wonderful. See the Warriors. So they get out of practice. And, uh, you know, we're trying to trying to just I don't even know what, you know, we weren't even into getting autographs. I think we just wanted to see him. BJ Armstrong is there. Uh, that somebody had a dog and BJ just falls in love with this dog. Doesn't, you know, just saying hi, but just very into this dog. Uh, Mark Price, the Warriors wow. signed Mark Price. And uh, my my best friend swears that uh, I wished him an injury-free season because he had just come off like a, a few injuries in his last few years at Cleveland. But who's the guy back then? It's Spreewell. Like Spree's the mm-hmm. guy. They they shipped Timmy out. Mullen, uh, I think Mullen would be shipped out that year. And so it's like Spree, like where's Spree? Where's Spree? Somehow Spree figured out how to exit the back. And so he didn't come out to see the fans. He go he goes around, and all of a sudden we just see Spree on the bus. And we're like, where'd this dude go? We didn't even see him. <laughs> and he's got the hood, he's got the hoodie on. And him and Byron Houston were just hanging out at the bus, like laughing at the fans going like, ha, ha, ha. We got you guys. <laughs> like we didn't, you know, you thought we were coming out. Nope. We snuck out the back. I was like, oh man, come on. You could just say, can you just say hi? Can you just wave? Can you just be cool? Nope. They were, they weren't into it. It, it could have been a bad, could have been a bad practice or something, but I, I, I those were the dark days. And these are the, these are the light days. And as long as we still have Steph Curry, I think they're going to still compete in some in some way. So he is playing at such a high level. It's it's amazing that um, you know, everybody talks about you know LeBron being in his twentieth year. Um, Steph is only what like three years younger. So I mean, so it, it doesn't it just doesn't seem like he's been playing that long. But yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. And for the for him to still be, you know. He seems to be like right, you know, near the peak of his power still. So it 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 will be so as long as he's here, you know. I feel at this point, I feel like we got a shot. Yeah, um, it's not the dog, it's not the dog days when you got stuff. <clears throat> and I will say though, if Clay comes out shooting, you know, he, he was not game six Clay. He was the he was he had the worst plus minus on the team last game. But if he comes out he comes out on fire. I think we got a good shot, but it is in Sacramento. Like I said, Brian and I will be back uh, tomorrow night to talk about the game, talk about the series. And if they move on, you know, we'll keep doing, we'll do some post game stuff 
And if they don't move on, you know, then we'll go back to our weekly thing. But uh, it's been fun. Even the season has been f- super frustrating. It, it has been fun watching these Kings Warriors games because there's such high level of basketball. But Rod and I will be back in a couple of weeks and we'll, you know, we'll talk about what's the latest in, in 49ers land. And like I said, there's a lot of pressure on these guys, I think. And they have a really good roster. And so Shanahan and Lynch got some work to do. Got to get both assigned in this quarterback situation. But, I mean, that's good for us because we're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about all yeah, that quarter That um, quarterback situation is going to be the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> for content creators. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, for Rod, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Hey, race fans, Justin Bell here, former racing champion and host of the new F1 podcast, Drive to Win, presented by Win Las Vegas. Join me on the show each week as you'll be swept behind the scenes for an immersive look at the culture, technology, drama, and glamour of Formula One. There's something for everyone, whether you're new to the sport or a lifelong F1 fan. So join us each week as we cover every twist and turn of the F1 season on the Drive to Win podcast. That's Win, spelled W-Y-N-N, presented by Win Las Vegas. Available now on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.